Hey everyone, welcome to the Wicked Ones Podcast. This is Tara. And this is Jen. What's going on? You know, just a, another week. Another week of crazy but mundane, if that makes any sense. Living the dream. Oh, yeah. this, <laughs> pan- this new pandemic <laughs> lifestyle is truly amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, we're all healthy. I should say that. Yeah, healthy. yeah, yeah. We have our health. We're safe. We're doing well. It's just... Mm-hmm you know, wearing on some of us a little bit more than others. And now it's starting to get cold again. We're going into a season of no sun. And I'm um, worried, actually. I'm worried for a lot of people. Check on your friends and neighbors. Just reach out to them and give them a little extra support during this time. Even if you don't know if they need it, usually those are the people that need it the most. I have found that the people who you think are okay are not. Mm -hmm. Well... Yes. The ones that are going along and being like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then you start talking to them and they're not fine. And they're not fine. Um, But they seem like they are on the outside. So make sure you check on your friends, check on everybody. And I know that's hard, but I feel like we've been saying that for a while because this has been going on for so while or so long. I don't know. What day is it? (laughs) Um, But just make sure you check on your people. Yeah. Just check in. Let them know you care. If you make an extra batch of cookies, throw some their way. Just any little thing could help in a dark time like this. Anything. Yes, absolutely. And so I've tried to listen to something besides, you know, murder. I tried to expand my podcast. How'd that go? Not well. (laughs) Not well at all. Um, (laughs) I didn't think it would. (laughs) No. Um, I've switched over a little bit on... Um, you know, I'm just trying to find something a little bit more upbeat or inspirational and you, I'm not here. I like self-help, but I don't. Yeah, it's hard. It's um, hard. you know, it we, is. I'm not made for more. <laughs> I'm made for just enough. I don't want to be more. I just yeah. want to be enough. Uh, Especially lately. I feel like that just rings true that, you know what? I'm just trying to get through the day. You know, most days, there's days I will admit I don't even get out of my pajama pants. And I feel bad about myself. (laughs) I do. But you know what? The struggle is freaking real. And there are days that, you know, I know that a comment here or there doesn't mean anything. And I shouldn't take anything into it. But, you know, you hear like, oh, I love you, Billy. But every once in a while, you know, he'll say something not even meaning it in a bad way. But the other day he goes oh, you didn't throw any laundry in today or something like that, right? And I just flipped out. I was like, oh, my God, if you should, if you could have seen my day, you know? Yeah, but yeah. And so I feel like I can't keep up some days. I can't. And we just have to give each other, we have to give each other grace. Some days you're not striving for more. You're mm-hmm. just trying to make it through the day. Yeah, I'm just trying to survive. Yes. So. And the next day I did like nine loads of laundry. That was like my priority because I was so <laughs> concerned. You're so mad. Damn laundry. But, yes. I have so. so much laundry to do right now. That was on my list of things to do today that I never got to. But that's okay. It's not going anywhere. It piles up fast. Everything piles up fast. Yeah, it does. It does. It's hard. So, um, no, I get it. I think that that, uh, that might be something a lot of people need to hear right now. No. So if anyone has an inspiring podcast... It's not going to make me want to stab people. Feel Mm -hmm. free to send it Mm -hmm. our way. Make a suggestion. Uh, Because I don't want to 
conquer the world right now. I just mm-hmm. I need some motivation to get through the day. No. And I appreciate that you're trying to listen to that self-help stuff. So <laughs> as you can tell, I don't really listen to it either. But I will say I listened to the Dax Shepard episode that, from uh, Armchair Expert. Well, I love Dax. <sighs> love yeah. him. And I hadn't, I hadn't listened to him in a while because I like to pick and choose, you know, the guests that I know and really can kind of relate to or maybe that I want to hear about. And you told me about his day seven episode and oh, it was amazing. It was so good. Yeah. I give him a lot of credit for his honesty. He's, he's awesome. Um, Way to go, Dax. He, it's good though. Cause I actually, and I just listened to him again and he was talking about how after he did that episode, he like went dark. Like, he got off Twitter, he got off everything, because... Oh, he, I think he was probably just... It was just self... Lie. Well, it was just self-preservation. He yeah, was saying he couldn't handle, at that point, yeah. what was going to come back at him. And I just appreciate his honesty, like, being oh, human. Oh, I knowing. so did. And honestly, if you can't love him more for that, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then when, like, Kristen... Because I talked about, like, I know them... Um, oh yeah, Kibel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're friends. She doesn't know she that. She stands but. behind him, and and I just I was like celebrating for them when she mm-hmm. made that yes. public announcement because mm-hmm. we're all human and we all make mistakes. I and I just think being vulnerable about him like makes it mm-hmm. more. And he talks about how he doesn't want his kids to have to live this in the future, the mistakes he's made in the past, oh. but. I think that they're admirable. and I agree. I think he's teaching his kids something super powerful about never giving up and working really hard for the things that matter. And I think he's showing his family that they they matter and they mean more to him than anything because he's, he's trying so hard. Yeah. Well, and you learn from failing and from yeah. screwing up, not from being perfect. You know me. Mm-hmm. I love my comeback stories. Yeah, you I'm do. I'm a comeback fan. Because you don't... I. I mean, I think it's great when you you know you're born into privilege and you're given these platforms like straight out of the womb, the womb to make the world a better place. But I think that when you earn that right to make the world a better mm-hmm. place, you you have a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Aw, that was so well said. Mm-hmm. No, we we can't even talk about anything more amazing than that. So I'm gonna let you start your. So story. now I'm gonna talk about <laughs> a serial killer with a November birthday. Again, you know, like Tara said, I feel like most of the serial killers born in November are pretty well known. So mm-hmm. this story has been told before. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the story of Carl Eugene Watts. No, because when you told me who, who you were doing, all I could think of was Chris Watts because that's it's not his brother yeah, or his yeah, uncle. No. Luckily, there's no, <laughs> no. relation. Um, so I'm kind of interested to hear what you have today. Yeah, I don't. Well, and at the end, of course, you'll see why it caught my attention. There's always a There's good reason. There's always a reason why I pick my case, and it's usually not because of the murderer himself. It's usually somewhere, something in between. So Carl Eugene Watts, also known as Coral and also known as the Sunday Morning Slasher, he was active between 1974 and 1982, and he's suspected to have up to 100 victims. So, oh, wow. If that's wow. ever confirmed, he's known to be the most prolific serial killer in America. That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay. He stalked and tortured white females between the ages of 14 and 44, 
and he killed in a variety of ways, uh, stabbing, slashing, strangulation, drowning, and bludgeoning. Okay, and because of his name, I'm not sure, but because you said white females, was he... He's African-American. Okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, and which is interesting, so he never uses a gun. Okay. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like stabbing, slashing, strangulation. Like it's well, all just all very take a lot more effort. Yeah, they're very. I don't want to say hands on, but mm-hmm. they're intimate. Um. So he was called the Sunday Morning Slasher. He was given that name by a Michigan newspaper because many of his attacks or murders is believed to have happened between three and four a.m. on the day of Sabbath. Oh. Okay. So Watts was born November 7th, 1953 in Fort Hood, Texas to Richard Eugene Watts and Dorothy May Young. His father was a private first class in the army and his mother was a kindergarten teacher. So working class family. Mm -hmm. Dorothy did leave Richard when Watts was two years old and she moved to Inkster, Michigan. And they moved to stay with Dorothy's mother. Uh, So Dorothy's mother, you know, Carl's grandmother was a big influence at this time like when he was a toddler because Mm -hmm. she helped Dorothy so much taking care of Carl when she was always working um Dorothy does remarry in 1962 to a mechanic Norman Caesar and they had two girls in two years making Carl a big brother but it's said that he had never really embraced that family experience or the role of having siblings So Watts was known as a shy and withdrawn child, often described as strange. He was never a very good student. Uh, He struggled academically and was bullied and teased by classmates for this. Mm -hmm. At the age of 13, he had meningitis. He was very, very sick. He had high fevers, and he was pulled from school for several months. This caused him to be held back in the eighth grade. Okay. Which I feel like that's a hard grade to be held back in. Mm, Like second or third grade, maybe you don't notice much of a difference. But eighth grade, another year of eighth grade, Stella would not be happy. Oh, like emotionally, that would be really hard. You're ready for high school. You're looking forward to that, and now you're well. And it's known, and kids are mean. Kids are so mean, and I mean, he was already being bullied as it was. This is a theme. The last few people we've talked about bullied, and he's got a couple of different. You'll notice he's got a couple of things that we talk about. He's got a couple of things going on. So he, you know, this made his academic challenges even worse. He couldn't when he when he goes back, he couldn't keep up with his fellow students. He had failing grades. His the bullying became even worse. At this time, he started hunting and skinning rabbits. Oh, uh huh. And this is also when his fantasies of torturing young girls started to develop. Well, you know what they say about torturing animals. Mm-hmm. So he's got the torturing animals. He was bullied. He was kind of slow. And I read and that... And he started fires? It doesn't say anywhere, <laughs> no. but I would not be surprised. I read at the age of 16, he was reading at a third grade level. Oh. But that's a huge gap. So that's mm-hmm. not just from being sick from meningitis and missing a couple months at school. He probably had some sort of learning disability he, or he something was have, going on. Somebody just didn't notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so although he was a terrible student, he was a good athlete. He participated in the Silver Gloves boxing program that helped boys develop discipline and respect. But this didn't help Watts. 
because it only grew his aggression. Mm-hmm. He was always in trouble in school, and the girls were often his target of anger. He began stalking girls and women in his adolescence and is believed to have killed for the first time before age 15. There is no evidence of this. Okay. But why do they think that? I don't know if it's something he said. Oh, okay. So this is just something that they think. This is just hearsay. Yeah, it's never been confirmed. Okay. Uh, At the age of 15, he attacked and sexually assaulted a woman by the name of Joan Gabe in her home. She was a customer on his paper route. So he simply knocked on the door, and when she answered, he charged his way in. Yeah, okay. So there was no, like, breaking and entering or nothing. It was just a knock-knock, and... It was just, I'm going into this full force. Yeah. I'm done with rabbits. Yeah. Here yeah. we go. Stepping it up. Okay. On June 29th, 1969, Watts was arrested, and when asked for an explanation of the attack and the sexual assault, he told the police he just felt like beating someone up. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good, just, like, you know, no remorse, no nothing. I was just bored on a Saturday, so. Yeah, it's not. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, after his arrest, um, and at his lawyer's recommendation, Watts is institutionalized for the first time. Okay. At Lafayette Clinic in September, this is September of 1969. He has a three-month stay. It's a long time. That is a long time. So, just because they... Didn't know what else to do with him. Yeah, I think that because, I mean, he he beat this woman and sexually assaulted her, and he and just with his age, and they didn't really. I don't think they knew what to do with him. And his lawyer couldn't get him off. They couldn't do anything with him. So, I think they just agreed to have him evaluated at this clinic, and then he got to stay. Is what it sounds like. It really it sounded like it was probably the best move. I mean. Most of these people just don't even have that chance. Yeah, Yeah, they don't have that chance and they need the help. So during his stay, uh, doctors just discovered that Watts had a very low IQ. It varies a little bit depending on what you read, but between the 60s and 70s Mm -hmm. and um, mild retardation. Okay. He was released to an outpatient program after his three-month stay despite a doctor's final review describing Watts as paranoid and struggling for control over strong homicidal tendencies. He's described to have a delusional thought process and a high potential for violent acting out, and he is dangerous. Okay. And he got recommendation for the outpatient program. I don't know, which is, this is interesting, though, because... So, a police officer who interrogated Watts after his arrest stated that Watts appeared to be very, very intelligent with an excellent memory. Really? So, was he faking it? I don't know. You'll have to tell me what you think. He's he's a... Diabolical. He's a very complex dude. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. So, he was released from the Lafayette Clinic on November 9th, 1969... And he returned to school in his community, them completely unaware of his dangerous potential. Nobody gave them a heads up? Well, you can't. It's confidentiality. Oh, gosh. No one can say anything about anything. You know that better than everybody, but I'm just saying, I just feel like you need to be, oh, there's got to be a loophole to at least let people know to be cautious or on the lookout for something. Well, I mean, now, right, you're a sex offender. Yeah, yeah. That didn't... 
But even if there was no sexual charges, if you know what I mean, if yeah. somebody is, is the school had to deemed... know though, right? They said he was repeatedly in trouble for stalking mm-hmm. girls and harassing girls. I yes. mean, I mean, he, they probably knew I hope whether the they knew had their, eyes open. their full potential. And he also went away for three months. Mm-hmm. People, I think, even though they couldn't give him a red flag, mm-hmm. you would it, common he sense would tell you, flag. right? Yeah. Well, and then again, in the school, what are you gonna do? There's nothing you can do. They right? can't. They can't. Their hands are kind of tied. Yep, so he returns to school, um, continues with his failing grades, and now drug use, and he's labeled as a loner. Uh, He gets in trouble for his volatile behavior towards female classmates, including stalking. He was under care at the outpatient center from 1969 to 1973, so he was still under their care when he graduated. Like, that was an agreement. Mm -hmm. He was in their outpatient program. But he rarely attended. He really didn't go. So they didn't really enforce anything. No. His talent in sports did get him a football scholarship to Lane College in Jackson, Tennessee. So, mm-hmm. head trauma? I don't know, right? I feel like he's got he's got several things going on. Yeah. His disturbing behavior followed him to college, though. And at age 19, he was expelled after only three short months in college for stalking and sexually assaulting women. Two women, as well as being the prime suspect in the unsolved murder of a female student. Wow, okay. That's a lot That's of a stuff lot. at a very young age. So he had to go back home to Detroit to his, mm-hmm. to his family. Yeah. That's oh, a lot. Okay, yeah. Like, how do you get to be a prime suspect and then you're just kicked out of school and go home? That's so weird to me. It is weird. Well, the thing... Oh. I mean, mm-mm. he's me. probably happy to leave. Yeah, but I'm just I'm listening to all this and I'm like, well, okay, there's a possible a hundred possible victims of this guy, and so far, he's pretty much just here. You go, buddy. You go over here. We we can't do anything for you, so you can just go over here. They're shuffling him around, and he. Yeah. No, I get it. No yeah. one's nailing his it ass to the wall. It only gets worse. Oh, God. Okay. So Watts is able to return to college with a special scholarship and mentoring program sponsored by Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. So they must have had some sort of, I didn't mm-hmm. see too much about this because, again, it's, it was a very short stay. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming they probably had some sort of, I don't want to say special need, but it was like a scholarship and mentor- mentoring program. So maybe it was just an unfortunate circumstance type of scholarship. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a... Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm sure that they have to have so many reserved for just different, different aspects, you know, not what and am someone was say? getting him into these colleges. Who's filling out the applications? What is, mm. I couldn't find any... I mean, that's, ah, okay. that's a lot of... I mean, there's so much depth to him. Grandma's like, that probably... I want you here with uh, the, your younger sister, so we need to ship you I off to college. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So he was he had to be reevaluated at the outpatient center before entering the school, and the conclusion was much the same. He was dangerous, and he had a strong impulse to hurt women. But again, due to confidentiality issues, the staff was not permitted to alert police or the college. Mm. Okay. So by the age of 20, Watts' career as a serial killer had begun to take shape. On October 25th, 1974, Lenore Nazicki answered her door and was attacked by a man who said he was looking for Charles. She fought back and and survived. On October 30th, Gloria Steele, 19, 
was found dead with 33 stab wounds to her chest. A witness reported speaking to a man at Steele's apartment complex that was also looking for Charles. November 12th, Diane Williams was attacked under similar circumstances. She survived and gave the police the type of car her attacker drove, so she wasn't able to see him, I guess, very well, but she was able to see his car. Um, Both Nozeki and Williams were able to pick Watts out of a lineup. So he was arrested on assault and battery. He admitted to assaulting 15 women, but he would not discuss the murder of Gloria Steele. Okay. It was off the table. His attorney then arranged for him to commit himself to Kalamazoo State Hospital. Upon evaluation, the hospital psychiatrist looked into Watts' background, and that's when he discovered his stay at the previous institution, Mm -hmm. and that he may have strangled two women to death. So now I guess there was two instances at the other college, but they only mentioned one at first. This um, psychiatrist diagnoses Watts with an antisocial personality disorder. Okay, that's it? Yeah. Is that just... I don't... That I, seems very... Um, vague. He probably yes. just added on to everything everyone else said, right? right? He's like, well, what else can I put on this page? Yeah. So before his assault and battery trial, uh, Watts had a court-ordered evaluation at the Center for Forensic Psychiatry in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And although that doctor found Watts competent to stand trial, he said Watts was dangerous and likely to attack again. So he's saying, everyone's saying, this is a bad guy. This is a bad guy. Uh, Watts pleaded no contest and completed one year of jail. By June of 1976, he was out and home again with his mother in Detroit. He was never charged with the murder of Gloria Steele. It was also at this time he started calling himself Coral. Okay. So there's some debate about this because mm-hmm. nobody understands when or how or what happened. And people don't know if it maybe it's just like instead of saying Carl, it's Carl. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, But he... Ref- All I can think about is the Candyman. I know, right? I'm, I'm like, like, Coral? Yeah. What but in what's... in the interviews, like some of the transcripts I've read, they he does refer to himself as Coral. C-O-R-A-L. I don't... There's Like the color and the... Under the sea. Under the, the sea. <laughs> under the sea. I don't... I But there's yes. no explanation. That's mm-hmm. the only thing I could think of when I say it really fast. Like maybe it's a different way of saying... It's like Prince. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. There's well, no and then... So I knew a girl. Her name was Lauren, but... Um, her mom was very upset because they called her Lauren and her name was Lauren. Okay. I had a friend named Lauren and everyone was upset because her name was Lauren. So, yeah. And you don't know that. Yeah. By looking at it, it all looks the same. It all looks like Lauren. Everything's spelled the same. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe, I don't know, trying to come up with something. So now at this point, uh, he's 27 Mm-hmm. And he is working with his stepfather at a trucking trucking company. He's fathered a child with a girlfriend, and he also married another woman, who divorced him only eight months later due to strange behavior, oh, including wow. disappearing for hours at a time after they had sex. Oh, 
That's, that's, that's strange behavior. That's very strange. Hey, what did we say in the show you're watching when yeah, know, they're laying on the, the other floor day, and she's yeah. all snuggled up? And, just, and then he's like, should we stay here forever? And he's like, I think I'm going to go for a run. That's <laughs> we're like, normal. Okay, weirdo. No, that's not normal at all. No. Uh, so in October of 1979, Watts was arrested for prowling around Southfield, which is a Detroit suburb. Charges were dropped. He was never prosecuted. But investigators did note that during that previous year, five women in the same suburb were assaulted on separate occasions, but with similar circumstances. Mm-hmm. This is Emma. It was very much the same in all of them. None of them were killed, but they also couldn't identify their attacker. So this guy's just like a so, mystery. Okay, but why can't they identify their attacker? Is it just because it's late? They can't see? Does he... Yeah, Did I mean, I miss something? no, but I mean, a lot of times he comes from like the behind, but the back mm, or okay. catches so they him. Just don't see they him. just don't see him. Like they just catch him so off guard. Yeah. You know, I'm sure they open the door, right? And he just mm-hmm. boof, comes in. You can't. Yeah. He puts on a hoodie. You can't see people's faces. Uh, you're right. You yeah, know, he probably has like a hoodie on and the whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. During 1979 and 1980, the attacks on women in Detroit and the surrounding areas became more frequent and violent, and all the attacks are in the similar style. So I'm going to tell you a couple that happened in the Detroit and the Ann Arbor area that kind of launched more of an investigation into Watts. So October 8th, 1979, Pega Panchmera, 22, is strangled in Detroit. October 31st, 1979... Jean Klein, 44, is stabbed in Gross Point Farms, Michigan. Now, this is key because he was, in fact, in that area at that time because he was separating from his wife at that time and he was staying with family in that town. In that town. Okay. Okay. Uh, then there's March 11th, 1980. Hazel Conoff, 23, strangled. She's from Detroit. March 31st, 1980, Denise Dunmore, 23, strangled from Detroit. Uh, This is another one to kind of pay attention to. April 20th, 1980, Shirley Small, she was 17 from Ann Arbor, and she was attacked and cut repeatedly with something similar to a scalpel. Um, She did not survive. She was actually, I don't know, someone in her house, or she, I believe it was her, called 911, but she was out on the sidewalk when they got there and she had blood to death. Oh. Um, May 31st, 1980, Linda Montero, 27, she was strangled and she was from Detroit. July 1980, Glenda Ridgman, 26, was stabbed. She was from Ann Arbor. She was found near her doorway and she was dead from over 28 stab wounds. Oh. September 14th, 1980, Rebecca Huff, 20, was stabbed in Ann Arbor. She too died outside her door after being stabbed 54 times. Oh. So this is where, so July 1980 kind of becomes like the hot month. So at this point, they form a task force in Ann Arbor. Okay. I I mean, this is a lot of women all Mm -hmm. in a very short amount of time, all around the same age. And all in the same area of Detroit? Like the same, like like if there was a suburb or something of, no, or is it just... I mean, because Detroit's decently large, right? Was he was he kind of just all over the place? I think he shopped a lot around the same area. Okay. I don't, because there's only, they put one investigative team in charge of this. I don't know. I'm not sure. That part is a little mm-hmm. bit, I guess, vague. There's, there's one, asking. there's one, yeah. there's like a team in Ann Arbor and there's a team in Detroit. 
So all of these things happen in, like, the last couple happen in Ann Arbor. And that they just, they decide they're going to develop, they're going to develop a task force. And it's headed by Detective Paul Lunton. And he begins investigating. And, but there's no evidence. There's no witnesses. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. So if you think about it, none of these, he doesn't leave any DNA. He's not sexually motivated. No, no. Outside his first victim ever, he never sexually assaults another woman. Hmm. He doesn't rob them. He doesn't take anything. So he doesn't leave anything. He literally just pummels them, like murders them, and just moves That's on. strange. There's, there's nothing for them to go off of, except for the fact that it, they're all similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point, Sergeant Arthur is from Detroit. He reads about the Sunday morning slasher in Ann Arbor. And he couldn't help but to feel like the attacks were similar to the ones that he mm-hmm. had seen in Detroit when he had arrested Watts mm-hmm. many moons ago. It makes me wonder if he's one of those people that he gets off on the torture and the killing. That's that's what he's after. He mm-hmm. doesn't need any of the sexual assault. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not sexual. It's motivated. enough for him just to. And there's a little tidbit that I'll share that was very disturbing about that. Mm, okay. So Sergeant Arthurs, he reaches out to Detective um, Button in Ann Arbor and shares all the information that he knows about Watts and his experience with him in Detroit. Now, at the same time, they start experiencing similar crimes and attacks that were happening in Ann Arbor and in Detroit in Windsor, Canada. So this is very, like... It's not that far. Mm -mm. mm -mm, It's not far at all. And so Watts knew that they were closing in on him as well. He knew that investigators were looking at him. So he... I don't know. He just... I guess he decided that he was going to move into a different area. So there's a couple victims that I'll just talk about really quickly. Um, Irene... Drato was 22. She was attacked, but she lived after having her throat slashed. Sandra Delpy, 20. She also lived through being stabbed from behind. Mary Agnes, 30. Uh, She escaped by screaming when she realized she was being followed. Now, she was able to pick Watts out of a phono lineup. And detectives also discovered that Watts' car was being recorded, leaving, crossing the border. For Detroit after each episode. Okay, so all of these things are putting him at the scene of the crime, even though it's wishy-washy. Right. This guy looks good for everything. Right. So Button, he's this is he's like, this is mm-hmm. this is our guy. On November 15th, 1980, an Ann Arbor woman contacted police after she became frightened when she discovered a man was following her. The woman hid in a doorway and the police actually saw their suspect as he frantically searched for her so they they were watching it happen when they showed up it was actively still going on so they follow the guy they pull him over in his car and it's Uh carl watts inside the car they find screwdrivers and wood filing tools but the most important discovery was a book that had belonged to rebecca huff okay so she had been stabbed to death back in september 
And the tools that they found look like something that could have been used similar to what uh, was used on Shirley Small. Remember they said it mm-hmm. seemed like scalpel, like yeah, really yeah. small. Was she the one that was stabbed 54 times? Um, was it maybe the next one that you mentioned? This That's They didn't lot. say, yeah, 54 times was Rebecca Huff. Okay. just the one with the book mm. that he had in her his car. But Shirley Small was the one where they said it was like she was attacked repeatedly with something very small, similar to a scalpel. But they Mm -hmm. found these small, like, wood tools that they think was Mm -hmm. what he used. In January of 1981, Watts is brought in on a a warrant, and he gives a blood sample. At that time, Button interviewed, interviewed Watts, but the interview ended without any confession, and the blood test actually failed to link him to any of the crimes. Once again, Watts was not sexually motivated, so there right. isn't a whole lot of evidence no. at the crime scene. At well, and this is still before everything was really DNA evidence and all of that was like processed the way that it is now. Yeah, it was. We were right on the cusp around yeah. this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by that spring, Watts was he was feeling the pressure from Button and his task force. He knew that they knew. It was just a matter of time. So he makes the move to Columbus, Texas, and he begins to work at an oil company. But now Houston's only 70 miles away, and he has a new hunting ground. Mm. Texas, though. They got the big guns there. Yeah, they don't mess around. No. Button was on it. Like, this became almost like an obsession for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen that with detectives. So he forwarded Watts' files to the Houston police. He was not letting this guy go. Uh, They locate Watts, but they're unable to find any evidence linking him directly to the Houston crimes. To name a few, on September 5th, 1981, Lillian Tilly was attacked at her Arlington apartment and drowned. Later that month, Elizabeth Montgomery, 25, was stabbed in the chest while walking her dogs. Shortly after, Susan Wolf, 21, was attacked and murdered as she got out of her car at home. Montgomery and Wolf were murdered in the same evening. Okay. So now he's getting to be even more two people. I don't want to say like brave, but aggressive, or yeah. And he actually admits to those too. Oh. So he really, he admits to killing them in the same night. I think he said they were only like 45 minutes apart. And one of the transcripts I read. There's a lot on him. Obviously, I couldn't include everything. I'm going to be talking forever. Um, okay. You're good. It's good. So then this is where he goes down. So on May 23rd, 1982, he attacks Lori Lister at the bottom of the stairwell to her apartment. So he grabs her. Obviously, he doesn't know if she's going up to the second floor or if she's on the first floor. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know what to do. She's panicking. She knows that if she doesn't take her take him to her apartment, she's going to die. But she knows if she takes him to her apartment, her roommate's there. Oh, okay. Yeah. But she decides that she's going to take her to the apartment where she shares her roommate with Melinda Aguilar. So, knock on the door. They come in. He ends up tying both of them up. But Melinda... He tries to ch- strangle her. She fakes like she passes out. Good girl. And he drags her up the stairs, and he ties her in the bedroom with a wire coat hanger. Mm. Interesting, right? Yeah. He goes back for Lori, and he Melinda can hear him filling the bathtub 
to drown Lori because that's oh. one of his MOs. Yeah. And he's actually clap, clapping and jumping up and down, like, excitedly like a toddler. Like, he's excited to, Holy as he's shit, preparing. that's the, awful. Yeah. That's, that's what, disgusting. Right? Oh, God. Isn't yes. that insane? So when you said, like, he's, like, going after, like, he was excited to drown her, like, celebrating. So, um, Melinda gets away. So she somehow gets free and she jumps off her balcony. Okay. And I'm pretty it's sure I would jump off the balcony Discovered too. by the neighbor underneath. So they call the plot, the plots. The, the police. No, <laughs> they call the police. Uh, Watts is caught and arrested. That same day, Michelle um, Madej is found also drowned in her bathtub in a nearby apartment. So they call, they just didn't get there in time. Well, this is a different one. So this happened. He didn't. So he those two girls lived. Oh, in okay. an apartment next door. I was door. still thinking about the palazzo, and I was wondering Sorry. if that was a real thing. <laughs> I believe there's palazzo pants. Is that? Um, yeah. No, this is a whole other. This is another girl that was found dead, drowned uh, in her bathtub okay. in like the apartment next door. Okay. Or an apartment building next door. Mm-hmm. God. So. Did that happen before he got to her? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So he was unstoppable. No, he just kept going. It's insane. So under interrogation, Watts refused to talk. He wasn't going to say anything. Ira Jones, the Harris County assistant TA, decides that he's going to make a deal with Watts in order to get him to confess. This is where I start to get upset. Oh, so Jones agrees to give Watts immunity to the charge of murder if Watts agrees to confess to his murders. So Jones is going for closure to these families. Mm -hmm. They have 50-something unsolved murders of women in the Houston area, and they just want closure for as many families as possible, thinking that he's going to go away no matter what. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm just hoping, as an investigator, he has some loophole up his sleeve that we just don't know about. That he's planning on nailing him. Maybe they just need something. Yeah, I, I don't know where he was going with it. But so, Watts eventually admits to attacking 19 women, and 13 of which he confesses to, to murdering. Okay. But he can't be tried for he those. He can't be charged with those. Okay. They contact Ann Arbor. They contact mm-hmm. they contact Michigan. Houston does, and they say, "Hey, we got a we got a plea deal with Watts. Mm-hmm. If you want in on it, he's he's talking, yeah. you know." And Michigan said, "No deal. We don't make we don't make deals with serial killers." Good for you, Michigan. Good for you. They weren't going to take it, so they didn't. Wow. I take it back, Texas. Take it back. You didn't expect that from Texas, right? I did right? not expect that. Yeah, no, yeah. not at all. I'm disappointed. So by the time it was over, Watts admitted to 80 additional murders in Michigan and Canada. and But he refused to give the details because he did not have an immunity agreement for those states, you know, for Michigan or Canada mm-hmm. countries. And he also did not want to be known as a mass murderer. I don't know if that was going to hurt his feelings. But you're pretty much already there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why it would matter at this point. You know what? I got another deal for you. Let me just go fill up the bathtub out I back. Know, and right? We'll have a little chat. 
Come on. You just heard of do it. Water turn off the Yes. Turn off the cameras. You know what to do. <laughs> I'm just Serious. I don't. I don't know. There's obviously something very wrong with him, but mm-hmm. so Watts pled guilty to one count of burglary with intent to kill. That was it. Mm-mm. After talking about 80 additional murders in Michigan and Canada, admitting to attacking 19 women, 13 of which he murdered, he pled guilty to one count of burglary with the intent to kill. No, I'm not okay with that. You better have more for me. So, on September 3rd, 1982, Watts was sentenced to 60 years in prison. That's it? That's it. No! In 1987, he tried to escape. Don't they all? Usually they get, they get some, they escape, or they get, yeah. why? How? Okay, know. was he? But they also talk about he had good behavior. He tried to escape. How's that good behavior? That's not good behavior. He uh, wants to appeal, but his attorney is... Basically saying we got nothing. I don't know what to appeal on. We don't. You admitted to it. Mm-hmm. You had a plea. Yeah. Right. There's nothing we can do for you. In October 1987, not having to do anything with with Watts' appeals and what he was trying to to come up with, the court decided that criminals must be told that a deadly weapon finding may occur during their indictment and fail to do so violates their criminal rights. What? I don't know who came up with that bullshit. So this loophole oh. just works in Watt's favor. I That's don't even know. That's not the loophole I was looking for, Jen. No, I know. So in 1989, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals decides that because the judge failed to inform Watts that the bathtub full of water was deemed as a lethal weapon because his intent was to drown her. Mm-hmm. That he would not be required to serve his full sentence. He is now reclassified as a non-violent felon. Let me Shut repeat that. F non-violent no. felon. And Watts is now eligible for retroactive good time earned, equaling three days for every one day served. He is now given a mandatory release date. So he's not even up for parole. He has a mandatory release date. What is that? When he is released from prison on May 9th, 2006, he is 52 years old. And still a threat to society. It doesn't matter how old they are. 52. Knowing that he admitted to all of these murders. No. So obviously him getting out of prison, the public outcry was... Just insane. It was more than what that area could handle. Uh, The good time earned early release law requiring a mandatory release date is eventually abolished. But it was applicable law during his trial. So his early release could not be reversed. You can see why I picked this case. Yes. But I'm I'm angry. My blood is boiling. I'm so pissed off. That's not okay. It's not okay. But we have Michigan. And Michigan is going to come to our rescue. Come on, Michigan. What do you got for me? So, thank God Michigan didn't jump on that bandwagon. So, when Mike Cox... That's right. It was was a bandwagon. bandwagon. It was a bandwagon. (laughs) (laughs) When Mike Cox, who was Michigan's attorney general at the time, when he found out the change in... Watts' status, he decided that he was going to, he wasn't going to have it. He was asking for help from anyone. So he actually ran 
televised ads asking for the public to come forward if they had any information about the woman that Watts had suspected of killing. Wow, okay, good. He was going all out. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously because Texas had a plea range with Watts, but Michigan could not. If they could prove that Watts mm-hmm. murdered any of the women that had turned up dead over the past few years, he could be put away for life still. Yeah, and he should be. Absolutely. Well, his efforts paid off because a Michigan resident by the name of Joseph Foy came forward and he had seen Watts murder um, Helen Dutcher, 36-year-old, in December of 1979. Okay, wait, though, can I just time out for a second and ask why did this man not come forward sooner? Side note, he did. Oh, he did. And he wasn't. Nobody believed him or nobody well, talked no to him? Well, no one wanted to talk to him because Joseph Foy recognized Watts when he was on trial in Texas and said, I know that guy. Uh-huh. I He did this in Michigan. And everyone said, like, don't worry about it. He's never going to get out. Like, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And so, actually, um, I listened to an interview with Joseph Foy and he was hot. Because oh, he's like, I've been yeah. trying to tell people about this for years. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. So he did come forward. So he did. Sorry, come... buddy. No, that's okay. But yeah, so he did, and he was so his um his interview when he speaks is very genuine. So he yeah. was more than happy to to help. get up there and say. Well, and I think it almost seemed like relief for him. Yeah. Because he had seen something, and he just wanted someone right. to listen to what he had seen, and you he was know finally was like, "This watching. was my time." Oh yeah. So, um, Texas shipped Watts to Michigan where he was charged, tried, and found guilty of murdering Helen Dutcher. On December 7th, 2004, he was sentenced to life in prison. In July 2007, Watts again faced a jury after being arrested for the murder in 1974 of, of Gloria Steele. So remember, that was the very, very first time he the got. Part, that's what I was thinking. And she was actually a student. So remember I said he was going to mm-hmm. college there? He was. She was actually a student there as well. So he was probably stalking her. I mean, I'm... So he was found guilty again and received a life pre- life sentence without the possibility of parole. Okay. Well, it's better, but... It's better, but... So Watts is sent to Ionia, Michigan, where he's housed in the Ionia Correctional Facility, also known as the IMAX, because it's the maximum security prison. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he did not stay there long. Oh. About two months into his sentence... He is out of prison again, but that is because he is admitted into Jackson, Michigan Hospital, where he dies of prostate cancer on September 21st, 2007. Okay. Okay. Well, Which I thought you very, were going somewhere else with that. But it's like, still very eh, frustrating because he frustrating. exhausted yeah, yeah. the judicial system and mm-hmm. did not. So it kind of is a want, want, want ending. Yeah, it kind of was, but I thought I thought you were gonna say he got out for like something else, or they put him in a in a like in mental institution yeah, or something. Yeah, but yeah. So that's kind of a yeah. Did that story make sense? It there was a lot of information. There's, There's a, a lot, lot of victims, that, a lot of people to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it made sense. It really made me mad. I can't believe that they. I mean. It, who came up with that? Who was the person that was like, hey, by the way, there's this Article 81B, and we got to talk about this and let this guy off. Like, who who are you? 
Who did that? I don't know. But that's crazy because you had to come up with that. And then you have to go back and look at every single case to see who it would apply to. Why? I don't know. There had to be some reason. Something must have happened somewhere that that I came up with. We got to research that and we got to let people people know because you know people are like, why did that happen? So something like that came up and they had to go review cases and just start letting people out of jail? Apparently, yeah. No. Because at first he was considered a violent felon. So when you're a violent felon, good conduct time does not apply. So you don't get days off, right, for Mm -hmm. good time served or good behavior. Okay. But... If you're a nonviolent felon, you get three days for every one. Yeah, for every. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they had to apply that to his once they. Because they didn't tell him that the bathtub water was a lethal weapon. Hmm. I, I would like to believe that we are past that point in our judicial system right now. I really. I really hope so. But I know that there are so many frustrating things with the paperwork and all of that. I just, I still remember it really, it really bothered me when I don't even know, I couldn't even tell you what the case was or the conversation or whatever. But I was talking with my dad about some of this stuff and he was like, yeah, you know, we we have to be so careful because if we're logging evidence or we do something or we're, Mm -hmm. we're putting this down on paper, say some guy, he's got everything filled out to the T, but he's, you know, it's tired, he's late. And he forgets to sign it a certain way or he, whatever. One the mishap very end, and one all of a sudden nothing counts. And it's gone. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. How often do we, we're humans and we make, we make mistakes all the time. All In the time. In some places you're not allowed to make mistakes. Yeah, no, I mean, I know. Like I get, doctors I get that, and police officers. It's really hard but though because we are human. Because, you know, one mm-hmm. little thing like that and. It's not a little thing, but you get some rookie person in there that's supposed to fill out this. Or maybe you're just tired. Or maybe you're We're tired. Human. Or, you know. I put the milk in the pantry sometimes. Yeah. It happens. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, you. I know. And some of these. Because I'm not made for yes, money. Yes. Some of these officers, and as you know, some of our healthcare workers and people that are out there right now doing hours and hours of extra work that they don't normally, you know, even with like you, you had that 117 hour work crazy. week. Crazy. How do you possibly do that and still function? I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. But wow. So that was this, no, the story was, of the Sunday morning slasher. That was interesting. Did I cover everything? Yeah. No, I think you did. Yeah. So obviously, like I said, there's, they're saying there's at least a hundred victims mm-hmm. you i mean i just went over how many 20 and that was yeah. just the tip of the iceberg he was i mean i could have gone on with names but i tried to just cover the ones that kind of led to him being mm-hmm. caught yeah yeah well and if everybody wants to know every single victim and every single if that's your oh you know well all the resources all are, the sort the millions of sources yeah, that we yeah, have they yeah. are all on our website um we make sure that we we credit everything so that was really good, but oh my gosh, it left sad. me feeling very, um... Do you have a flip the script? Because oh, I could use something to cheer me up. A flip the script, let me think. Um, something cheerful or funny. <laughs> I'm really thinking hard. It's um, hard to be on the spot. I am looking forward to some more Mandalorian. Mm, yes, We're yes. going to have to get together with the fam and... Yeah. To a little viewing party. Yeah. 
I'm, is that, does that count? The child makes me happy. Oh, the child makes me happy too. Yes. No, that's fun. I think that's definitely something to look forward to. Yeah. Our quarantine and. Yeah. Our quarantine. Everyone should have a quarantine. Do you know what that is? Do people know what that is? I think they do. It's just your circle, right? Mm -hmm. That you trust. That you know is not breaking the rules and exposing themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to have that yeah. team you can trust right now. In in multiple ways. You want to make sure they're not exposing themselves and they're not exposing themselves. Oh, so. gosh. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> it's been a long day. We, have, uh, <laughs> we definitely have a circle of trust in our quarantine circle. So. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, definitely something to look forward to. Yeah. So when you're sad, just think of the child. And if you don't know what that is, you need to watch The Mandalorian because it's amazing. And I'm not even a huge Star Wars fan. I just started watching Star Wars because we went to Disney, fortunately, right before all of this happened. Yeah. Well, and I've always told you how Star Wars is amazing. And you're yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I like, no, I don't go to the movie theater, Tara, and I go yeah. the day it comes out. I know. You can't pay me to go to a movie theater. That's when I knew I should really... Well, and I mean, my right, my, my dad and my brother are huge Star Wars fans. They're like, you haven't seen it. What, where were you when we watched these? And I'm like, I don't know. I missed it. And I, I don't even watch TV, so... Yeah, but you know so what? Good. I'm glad that we did. We caught up because we wanted to take... You know, we wanted to see the new Star Wars... Uh, what do you call it? The, um, the whole world there that they had. It was really cool, by the way. It was so cool. You would love it. If, if it's ever safe to go to Disney again. Maybe they'll do a virtual Maybe. experience. I mean, it was cool. I took a lot of pictures, but it doesn't do it justice, and it was really neat. But catching up on the movies, now I'm kind of, you know, oh, we, we stopped right, you know, right before we went, and I think we were up to the to the one with Ray and Kylo Ren. One of those, right? It was like we just met her. So good. Maybe, like, the next one after, and then we stopped because we went, and then we were just got really busy. And actually, this past week, Chase was like, can we watch the next Star Wars? And I was like, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to put a family movie night together. So yeah. lots of family movie nights this winter, right? What else could people do to like keep their spirits up? We love family game night. Um, when you can tie Billy to a chair and make him play a game. Yeah. He's not a game person at all. No, he hates games. Thank God he's always like, oh God, Jen's bringing the games out again. <laughs> you're like, you will play. I know. <laughs> my birthday that's the only time i got him to play games with me i was like it's my birthday he's like fine but yeah so movies movie night game night um game night that's another good movie so watch that movie and then play games and then we have do we only have we have one more november serial killer after this i don't even know what day it is yeah i think we do i think only one more i think it's me and i don't even know who i'm gonna do is it me I don't, know. I don't remember. We'll have a planner meeting after this. Okay. <laughs> Good plan. Good plan for the planner meeting. All you have to do out there to help with your winter blues is now to go and give us a five-star rating and maybe like a little high five on, find us on Facebook or Instagram and tell us what you're doing to keep your spirits up this winter because we would love to share it with everybody. Absolutely. Any yeah. stories you have. Always looking for inspiration. Time. Yeah. All right. So until... Uh, yeah, until until next time. See you later. See ya. Bye-bye.